Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, the No Huddle Show. We are here at the Novacare Complex. And Matt, we thought, you know, we talked about recording this this morning that we would just kind of preview camp, but with this team, it's, it's never slow. Never a dull moment, Elliot. And literally 15 minutes before we came up to the studio to record the podcast, mm-hmm. the Eagles released Alan Barber. Yep. And I know that coming into camp, that was one of the first things you wanted to look at in terms of the left guard position. Would it be Alan Barber? Would it be Isaac Sayamalu? Frank Reich answered that question during his press conference today, and the organization answered it in a bigger way shortly thereafter. And Frank Reich, I mean, the funny thing about Frank Reich is he's at the podium today talking about how there'll be competition at left guard. He didn't mention Alan Barber, which now maybe obviously was a telling sign, but the statement released from Howie Roseman about this move says the decision was made yesterday. So Frank Reich went to that podium knowing Alan Barber was going to be released. And when I left the podium, I... Well, not when I left, but when we left the, the press conference, my initial reaction was, all right, well, I guess they're handing the, the job to Sayamalu. And then I read it again, and I thought, well, he did say competition. But no, I mean, he said is the starter, and there'll be competition from there. So definitely a lot to get into with this move. But real quick yep. before we keep going, um, as I said, this is the No Huddle Show. I'm Elliot. You're Matt. We've been bringing you guys tons of content. And depending on where you're listening, here's all the places you can catch us at. Uh, we're on the iTunes App Store. We're on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Google Play and Spreaker. So go download, go subscribe. We record these and they they're available if you're a subscription if you if you subscribe, they're available 10 15 minutes after we record them. If not, you have to wait a little longer. So go record uh go subscribe to those if you can and also leave us a review whether it's good or bad and give us that five-star rating. We would really appreciate the feedback. So all right, now that that's out the way, let's get back into Barber. Yep. So Frank Reich says today, say Sayamalo is a starter. So before we talk about whether you think that's a good move, what do you think about the decision to just release Alan Barber? Elliot, I think that there's one thing the Eagles should have realized last year and should have known well before that, just like every other NFL team, that depth along the offensive line is paramount. And it seemed team. like they really cared about that with right. the moves they were making. And, and and you saw last year when you had Isaac Sayamalo have to step in and play right tackle because Lane Johnson was suspended and Halapola Viti Vitae got hurt. Mm. There's versatility with Isaac Sayamalo, but to just to go into the first day of veteran camp with what appears to be what, nine offensive linemen? You're kind of going in shorthanded. I get it that they wanted to give him an opportunity, Barbara, that is, to start elsewhere. And I'm not all that surprised that they 
they moved on because we talked about it on Monday's show that they've been high on Isaac Sayamalu. They've wanted to get him on the field. This is their first chance to do it, but it seems as though you're losing some potentially quality depth, but depth no the, nevertheless right. on the offensive well, and, line and, by getting rid of Barber now. And that's my my thing. So how does this make the Eagles a better team when they take the field tomorrow? I mean, I, if you want to tell me Sayamalu is a better option and that's who you think should start, fine. I I disagree that he is a sure thing. I think you know, he played okay last year. I mean, according to Pro Football Focus, 148 plays he was in on pass protection, um, and he allowed nine pressures and two sacks. So, uh, you know, very similar numbers to Alan Barber. So maybe the drop-off in play, if Sayamalu can repeat that over a longer stretch, uh, it won't be that great. But what about behind him? Like, if you want to tell me Sayamalu's going to start, fine. I think that's a question mark. I think there's something to be said for starting the same five guys, which is why I would have started, or at least given Barber a serious chance to win the job. But what about behind Sayamalu? I mean, you, right. you, you talked about it. So we have Chance Warmack, who was pretty bad in Tennessee last year. I know he's back with Jeff Statlin now, but he's not a sure thing. Steve, Steve, you have Stefan Wisniewski, who's, I think, a lesser version of Alan Barber. Um, so you know that's and I not think a- he's better suited to play center. Well, that's uh, Stephen Wisniewski than than playing guard. And right. While we can go back and forth on whether or not it was a good move or putting Isaac Sayamalu in the starting lineup was the right move or not, I think that in terms of being a third round pick, being a rookie a year ago, similar production to Alan Barber. Mm. I look at it as this is a chance for Sayamalu to take that next step forward. It's a potential for him to be one of those young players along the offensive line, along with Lane Johnson and right. some other players coming up the pipeline that are going to be here for years to come, including Vitae, once Lane Johnson eventually moves to left tackle, to kind of develop that chemistry with Carson Wentz. But I hear you. I look at the depth chart behind them at guard, and sure, there's Wisniewski, but he's probably better suited to play center. Sure, there's a Chance Warmack, but Alan Barber was a quality football player, and, and it, it's difficult to see you let him go for nothing. And, I mean, you know, maybe part of the reason was they said they had this talk yesterday. Maybe Barber said to them, I don't want to be here. And they decided, you know what? You don't want to be here. We want the extra $2 million in space. And I can see that line of thinking, but ultimately my thing is, you, you touched on it in one of the first things you said. The depth on the offensive line is so important to this team. We saw last year what happened when they, they suffered injuries on the offensive line. How it not only impacted the team, but how it impacted Carson Wentz. Wentz is your franchise. And what I liked, one of the one things I liked that how he did this offseason was they did have some depth along the offensive line. Now, that depth isn't completely shot just because you lose one player, but Barber was a big part of that depth. He could play tackle. He could start a guard. He could be a backup guard. And you knew what you were going to get from him. I think compared to the other options we've talked about, they're all question marks. Sayomalo could play well, or he could be a complete disaster. He was a third-round pick. This is going to be his first time completely starting. You don't know what you're getting. And so my worry is for all the all the like moves you made about protecting Carson Wentz, I think this kind of goes counter to that. And you know, if Barber didn't want to be here, I guess you can make the argument just let him go. Sure. But I think the Eagles, frankly, the the disadvantage of losing Allen Barber doesn't. It, it's not worth the two million in cap. Here's space. two ways to look at it, and I and I think that maybe you look at it as more of a disadvantage playing Sayamago over Barber than maybe I do, and certainly right. than the Eagles do. Right, You look at the numbers and comparable between the two, say Amalu was a rookie, they think they can develop him fine. Mm-hmm. What this move might also mean, in addition to Barber maybe not being happy, 
let's remember they brought Dylan Gordon back, and, and yeah. Dylan Gordon is a guy who's a tackle, been here. Though. He's a tackle, though. It can play guard a little bit. Darrell <laughs> Green, another guy who was here a year ago, they brought him back. There might be one or two young guys that they just like in the pipeline where they feel like they can absorb the loss. There might be, of but, but but that's but there might be. But my point is that the point is protecting Carson Wentz. And if Sayamalu, first of all, Sayamalu. You know, guard center is where they kind of see him. Let's say Jason Kelsey goes down. So Jason Kelsey goes down. You have Sam Malu entrenched at left guard. Had that happened, you know, in, if they would have kept Barber, you could have moved Sam Malu over and put Barber in the starting lineup. Now, if that happens, you move, you would, I guess you would move Sam Malu over or just put Wisniewski in there. But now Wisniewski is really the only sure, close to a short thing you have as a backup. Whereas before, you had Barber. And Wisniewski has really good backups that could – Barber can play tackle or guard. Wisniewski could play guard or center. Now, if if uh, Sayomalu or Kelsey goes down, you don't have as many options behind them. Right, and obviously you hurt your depth by doing this. And uh -huh. I think that it's one of those catch-22s. Do you want to play the young player that you're very high on in Sayomalu or you – overly concerned about depth, obviously they're not. And right. obviously, whether it's Daryl Green, whether it's Chance Warmack, whether it's the fact that they believe Stefan Wisniewski, and they brought Wisniewski back in a little bit of a surprise move. Right. Let's not yeah. forget about that. With not many people money. expected him to come back, particularly at the money they brought him back on. They obviously feel confident in, in Wisniewski. They obviously feel confident in somebody like Chance Warmack in his second go-round with Jeff Stoutland, who had a tremendous amount of success with as a high touted recruit at Alabama, but you look at the situation right now, and I think it screams one thing, Elliot, and that is they wanted to get Sayamalu on the field. They believed mm -hmm. that he was a better option to start at left guard, and they felt like they could do without Alan Barber. We'll see how it works out for yeah, them. Yeah, so I know since they did this, me and you have both been getting a lot of feedback on Twitter from what some fans think of it, so I'll, let's get some of, of theirs takes and we can kind of respond. So sure. someone uh, at Lake Eagle 23 tweeted, one moment, you're all about getting younger and creating space. The Eagles do that. You disagree? Plus, door not totally closed. First, I'd be really surprised if Barber came back. I know they're saying the door is not totally closed, but if Barber comes back, first of all, it's going to be less than two. It's going to be less for what he's making now. So you're getting a guy that, if he was unhappy before, imagine how he's going to feel now. And second of all, I do see the point about getting younger and creating cap space. First of all, you only create two million dollars in cap space. That's not that. That's not that much cap space in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, you want you're to need every dollar you can. Look at those one-year deals. Next off, but next off season, you, you don't need that two. Sure. And I know it rolls over, but you don't need that two million right now. Sure. And, and also, you know, getting younger. I agree, but. Again, you want to protect Wentz. The last thing this team can can have happen is have the offensive line be an issue again. See, I'm a little bit higher on, say, Amalu than you are, and I think that what he did as a rookie and showing that position versatility and playing reasonably well when he was in there – I think it just showed them that they can not only get by with Sayamalu, but they looked at him as the better option, and that's why Alan Barber's not here. Now, we can mm -hmm. go round and round all day about whether or not they're deep enough at right. the interior offensive line, but they clearly now view Sayamalu, and they did before this afternoon, as the better option than Barber. All right, so one more tweet uh, from a guy. I think this is an interesting, interesting statement, this question. This is from M. Gaffney 542 I think Wormack could really bounce back. Uh, Stoutland was his coach in college. I think if anyone can get back to his old form, it's Stout. So when they signed Warmack, they gave him, I think it was 
a million, a million bucks. bucks, something like that. But they signed him the first day of free agency. Yep. And to me, that was kind of telling because there's, it's not very often you sign a guy the first day of free agency and he doesn't end up playing or f- having some type of role on the team. So what do you think they could expect from Warmack? We haven't really been able to chance to sure. evaluate him yet because there's no pads and the offensive line doesn't do much during training camp so far. But what do you think is fair to expect out of Warmack? Well, you, you know me. I'm far from the eternal optimist when it comes to this team and a lot of the players on it. But I will say this, that I remember – on the last day of the mandatory minicamp, we all had an opportunity to sit down with the position coaches, the assistant coaches, pick their brains about players, talk to them about what they had in store for the upcoming season. And the one thing that really stuck out with me talking to Jeff Stoutland was he knows the ins and outs of Chance Warmack's game. Chance Warmack understands all of the nuances of his system. He said that he knows the way Chance Warmack likes to walk. He knows the way he likes to get out of his three-point stance. He knows his tendencies. Right. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. And I tend to agree with the tweet that if there's anybody that can maximize Chance Warmack's potential, it's Jeff Stoutland. Just go back right. and look at what he did at Alabama with Chance Warmack. He was the number, what, 11 pick in the NFL draft for a reason, one of the top offensive yep. linemen playing guard to come out during that draft class. So I, I don't anticipate the Eagles getting Orlando Pace out of Chance Warmack, no. but if he can be a legitimate backup guard and play at the same level that Isaac Sayamalu did as a rookie and maybe even better than that because of his experience with Stoutland, that's going to make you feel a little bit better about moving on from Alan Barber. Yeah, so obviously now we know who's going to be the starter left guard when the first team offense takes the field tomorrow. But the question that we, we've been talking about the last few days and was really going to be the focus of the podcast until this happened was who else is going to be on that field with the first team offense? Is Jordan Matthews going to be out there? Lots of talk over the past few days about what's going on with him. So before we get into it, here's kind of a recap for those who might know. Jordan Matthews really didn't take part in much of OTAs. He was, he was the, he did not take part in mandatory minicamp due to what the team has said is knee tendinitis. Um, he did go to North Dakota, but from what I'm told, he really didn't do much out there. You know, he was more just kind of doing his own rehab, first of all, but also, you know, running a few routes, but really not doing as much as the other guys. So you know, he's hurt. And Doug Peterson said at the podium, he, he did say nothing was wrong. And but so he couldn't really give an answer as to why he wasn't going to be practicing. But, uh, you know, Doug, I think, was just more protecting Jordan than anything else. So that's kind of where we're at. Like, what's going on with Jordan Matthews? Are they trading him? You know, what's his role going to be? How committed are are they to him? There's lots of layers to this. So yep. I, let's let's start with the first thing is Jordan Matthews got hurt last year. Do you are you concerned about his health long term? And if he's going to be on this roster this year, how big of a concern should how concerned should fans be about his health? See, I, I don't know that I'm all that concerned about his health, and I, I don't know how much this knee tendonitis issue is going to impact him from being on the field. And I do kind of find it interesting that he was limited through the OTAs, didn't participate in the mandatory minicamp, and also... Because this is a guy that loves to practice. Right, but let's not, let's not also forget the fact that he's entering the final year of his rookie deal. The Eagles have made no overtures and no efforts to re-sign him or extend him. They went out this offseason, they brought in Alshon Jeffrey, they brought in Torrey Smith, they drafted two rookies in the middle rounds of the NFL draft, and if I'm Jordan Matthews, I, at least some part of me has to wonder, be wondering how committed is this team to me long term? And I'm not sitting here saying that he's holding out or that he's not practicing or he's exaggerating the knee. 
But I did find it really interesting, Elliot, that Doug Peterson stepped to the podium and said, oh, nothing's wrong with his knee, but he's mm-hmm. just rehabbing. It just seemed like he couldn't really be any less forthcoming about what's actually going on with Jordan Matthews. And we've heard nothing definitive one way or the other, whether or not he's actually going to practice when the veterans report this week. Well, I think to a certain degree, they might not know, because if you're just talking about knee tendonitis, that's all about pain tolerance. Sure. That's all about your, your, I don't want to say willingness, but your ability to go out there and practice on it. So I think there's an argument to be made that if you're Jordan Matthews, you've played in the league for three years, you have a good, um, you know, repertoire with Carson Wentz, you know the slot position, there's no need to push it this early on in training camp. I mean, if Jordan Matthews wants to play in the third preseason game, I think there certainly that makes sense. But I don't see the advantage of having Jordan Matthews push it. Now, you know, the conspiracy theorists out there, the, the, the thing has been, all right, well, he's not practicing because they want to keep him healthy and they're going to trade him. So do you think that they there's a realistic chance? And by realistic, I mean like more than 35%. Jordan Matthews is traded before week one. This we season. talked about this on the podcast on Monday, and I did a couple radio interviews after that. And I don't think my opinions have changed in mm-hmm. that if Nelson Aguilar, who had a tremendous spring, some of the best practices we've seen since the Eagles drafted him in the first round two years ago, if they're neck and neck, if they're even, if Nelson Aguilar is playing at the same level Jordan Matthews is, I think it's much more likely that they would move Jordan Matthews, but can you trust? But can you trust? But can you trust Nelson Aguilar? Like, let's say Nelson Aguilar has a really good training camp, and he's already had a very good summer. Yep. Good OTAs, good mini camps. Let's say, let's say Nelson Aguilar catches ten passes in every preseason game. He's just dominating. We both agree that with Nelson, it's mental. Yep. So if Nelson comes out that first game and doesn't play well or drops a pass, like. Jordan Matthews is the surest thing the Eagles have on this receiving core. He might not be the most skilled player, but you know what you're going to get from Jordan Matthews. I'd say Alshon Jeffrey's a pretty sure thing, too. Uh, is he, though? He's been in the league for five years. Yep. He's been a number one receiver one of those years. He has less than 55 catches the last two years. He he's Also hurt. had some terrible quarterback situations. At one point, he had Matt Barkley throwing him yeah, the football. Yeah, that's and- fair. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, do you know? Do you know what you're going to get from Alshon next year? You're going to get. Can I, can I like the, the, tell me? Tell me as, what, in, as in 2017. As in 2017, if I said to you, 1100 yards, eight to 12 touchdowns. Okay. Because he's playing in his best quarterback situation that he's had, probably the most dynamic offense that he's had, and he's going to be the focal point. It's going to come down. How many times did Carson Wentz try to air it out last year with nobody reliable on the receiving? I get, could get, could even get that separation. That, that's true, but. Alshon Jeffrey has caught over eight passes once in his career and has it over 1,100 yards twice, So, and he's played five years. So I, my only thing is, if when I'm looking at Alshon Jeffrey, I agree with you, he is the most talented receiver on the team. But when you look at, at his career, it's extremely up and down. 24 catches, yep. 89, 85, 54, 52. The arrow is pointing down, and he's not been consistent. With Jordan Matthews, I know his touchdowns dropped last year, but you know you're getting 80 catches out of him. You know you're getting... 800 plus yards. I mean, I think he's a guy where you know what you're going to get from him. And so, you know, him being injured or the possibility of moving on from him. And we talked about it with the offensive line. The whole point of this team and this season is to make sure Carson Wentz has the tools around him to succeed. And if you trade Jordan Matthews for, you know, a guy that they've people have brought up, uh, Kyle Fuller out of the cornerback out of Chicago, Jordan Matthews is a better, more, is a better player and a, a safer 
talent, a safer player than Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's coming off a knee injury that he missed all last year, and he had a bad sophomore year after first freshman year. See, but here's the problem. Let's look ahead to this offseason when it comes to Jordan Matthews. And let's let's look at it. You have Jordan Matthews as a free agent. You have Alshon Jeffrey as a free agent. Let's look at the other players. Timmy Jernigan. uh, Tim Jernigan, a free agent. Jordan Hicks is eligible for a new deal. Who were in that receiving class. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You Mm -hmm. have Mike Evans was in that. You have uh, Allen Robinson from Jacksonville in that class. Yep. I'd say that Jordan Matthews (laughs) is probably the third or maybe fourth best of that group. You have a lot of cap space you're going to need to allocate to somebody like Alshon Jeffrey, who is more of that definition of a true number one wide receiver in the NFL than Jordan Matthews is. And if you can get an asset for him, a third-round pick, or fill a need with somebody like Kyle Fuller, I I think that's where it becomes more attractive to trading Jordan Matthews, but only under the circumstances that Nelson Aguilar is even with him and you're confident that Nelson Aguilar is going to put up the kind of numbers that Matthews has or better right. in the last couple of years. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to Alan Barber in the way, like, I disagree that they should, I disagree with the decision to cut him. But if the Eagles know that they don't want him on the roster, fine, go get the extra $2 million in cap space. Because if you know you don't want a guy, then just get what you can. I disagree with the evaluation, but once they've, once they've made that evaluation, I can't blame them. Jordan Matthews, like you just said, I think Jordan Matthews, when you take into account a whole picture of a player, you know, health, age, consistency, talent, I think he is, you can make an argument, the best receiver on the Eagles. People don't agree with that, and that's fine. But if the in the Eagles, I think it's pretty clear don't feel Are we way. saying true wide receiver? Are we saying pass catcher? I'm because saying— Because I, I would lump Zach Ertz— Oh yeah, okay. mold and say that Zach Ertz yeah, true. Right, is I'm, a better pass catcher I'm just catcher talking about Jordan. receivers. Yeah, just talking about receivers. But what I'm, Better what I'm, than Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's a safer option. He's younger. He had doesn't have a PED suspension. I know he's injured now, but he has he's missed I think one real sure. game in the past three seasons. I know it's two, but that Cowboys game he could have played and had he has he a much lower ceiling though. I he think has, we he has a low he has a lower ceiling, and I know that Alshon plays on the outside, so it's hard to compare. Sure. But Alshon has not caught more than 55. Like, those are the facts. And you can say the quarterback, whatever. He's not caught fit more than 55 passes in two years. So you can't really point to him as a guy that's a consistent, dominant number one receiver. I think he's much closer to being a true number one wide receiver than Jordan Matthews. I, I agree with and, you. And I think that given his quarterback situation and the head coaching turmoil and the offensive schemes that he's been in in Chicago, this is probably the best situation Alshon Jeffrey has been in. And that's why I think that it, it wouldn't be out of the question to say he catches between 80 and 85 balls, yeah, 1,200 could, yards, and 8 to 10 touchdowns. Yeah, it could definitely happen. My only point is when you're talking about – handing out long-term contracts, those are, you have to take into account things like injury, right. you know, the, the person himself. And this is not a knock on Alshon because I don't know him. Sure. We've both dealt with Jordan over the past three years. He's a consummate teammate. And I think everyone leader. that covers right. his team would say that, that you know, and again, the knee injury, you know, it's a wild card because if it's something that the team think is going to, the team thinks is not going to fully recover and like he's always going to have this knee pain, then yes, that's something you take into yep. consideration. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. If it comes down to paying either Alshon Jeffrey or Jordan Matthews Des Bryant money or paying either one of those guys Julio Jones money because th- that, that's going to be the market. The market's going to be whatever Odell well, I don't Beckham think that, Jr. gets That's not going to be Mike the market Evans for gets. Jordan Matthews. Well, it could be the market for Alshon, I agree. His agent is going to go in looking at those contracts and saying that, hey, this is my draft class. This is what I've done compared to those guys. Mm -hmm. If I have that type of financial assets locked up in one player, I'd invested in Alshon Jeffrey before I invested in Jordan. So 
I see why what you're saying. My only thing is the money you're going to pay. Let's say they both have good seasons. They both, you know, like I'm more confident if I if I had to bet money on who has more catches over the next five years, I'm betting Jordan Matthews. If I had to wow. bet. Alshon wow. gets hurt. He's already been suspended once. Yeah. I mean, like, there's just no consistency there. And with me, if I'm in – I understand, like, betting on talent in that way. Like, you, you're, you, you, Alshon could turn into a Pro Bowl receiver the next five years. I don't think you can say Jordan Matthews has that ability. Correct. But, I'm, but like, those other receivers you mentioned – Alshon is not in that class. He could be at the end of the year, and maybe at the end of the year, I'm changing my mind. But right now, sitting here, I don't see why, I don't see what Alshon has done that makes so many people so sure he he can be a dominant receiver year after year after year. Well, I think it's the fact of of what he's done with subpar quarterback play around him. And I think that when you look at, you know, yeah, yeah, you can point to the fact that he only has 2,000-yard receiving years, but one of them was a 1,400-yard year. One of them was an 1,100-yard year. He's caught 10 touchdowns in a single season. He's caught over 80 passes twice in his career, and he's done so catching passes from Jay Cutler. So you, if we're as high on Carson Wentz as I know that you are and a lot of people are, mm-hmm. I find it really difficult to think that a player of Alshon Jeffrey's caliber and talent is going to have worse production with Carson Wentz than he did with Jay Cutler or worse production with Carson Wentz than Jordan Matthews has had with Carson and, Wentz. And so the thing, too, is so we're talking about, you know, to get it back to kind of the idea of what's up with Matthews yep. and him. So when you when we, this debate we're having right now, this is – who knows if it's a debate the Eagles have internally. Maybe they are debating who they'd rather invest in. Maybe they've already made that decision up. Maybe they're on the fence. Maybe it's not something they're talking about. But if you trade Jordan Matthews, you have to take into account that Alshon's, like you said, Alshon after this year is up. Jordan Matthews after this year is up. Torrey Smith is on a one, essentially three one-year deals. He can be cut next offseason. So you don't have a ton of guys where you can say, this is going to be Wentz's guy going forward. He's going to be able to grow with him. And I, But I do think that Matthews can be that guy. So that's my hesitation in moving him. Again, yeah. the knee is a wild card. But if this whole thing is about Wentz and making him comfortable, Jordan Matthews is that guy to me. I agree with the last part of that. A hundred percent, because not only his skill set, but also the relationship he has with Wentz. But if if let's say, let's just throw a team out there, the Buffalo Bills. Sammy mm-hmm. Watkins gets hurt, second preseason game, they start making phone calls. If, if they call up and offer a third-round pick for Jordan Matthews, the only way that you say no to that trade, in my opinion, is A, you had a major injury yourself at wide receiver. You can't afford to trade Jordan Matthews. And B, you've decided internally that at the end of the year, you're content and you're happy to pay Jordan Matthews Mike Evans money. See, or he, I don't think Jackson he's going to – maybe Deshaun Jackson money just now, but I don't think he's going to get the type of huge money you think because he's a slot receiver and at the end of the day he's not playing on the outside. I mean, so, and again, back to the Alan Barber thing and the evaluation. If the Eagles traded Jordan Matthews for a third round pick, my initial reaction would be I think they should have committed to Jordan. I think they should have committed to him. I think this is a mistake. But getting a third round pick for a guy that you've basically already decided you're not going to resign, I can't knock them for that because right. you're getting an asset for something as opposed to just letting him walk. Now, I think that the t- we can both agree that. If Jordan Matthews, if we, if I told you he was going to play 15 games, the team is not as good this year without him playing those 15 games, and they are, then they would be with that third round pick. I mean, he is one of the best slot receivers in the league statistically. So losing him would impact the season, and you're taking that bet 
on Aguilar, but I guess I couldn't completely knock them if they did decide to do that if you've already decided to move on. Right, and, and that's my thing, that, that if you feel like you're going to move on from him and you get an offer, th- then I think you have to give strong consideration to taking it. Now, they're a better football team with Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Jordan Matthews as the starting wide receivers than they are with an unknown in Nelson Aguilar and less depth at a position where you can ill afford an injury. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that, if you're going to turn down offers for Jordan Matthews, it's because you've already decided you're able and willing to commit to him and commit some pretty big money because we've seen it. All it takes is one team out there to really value Jordan Matthews to blow him out of the water, similarly to Andy Reid and the Chiefs overpaying for Jeremy Macklin, and next thing you know, you've lost him at the end of the year for nothing. Right. I agree, and so we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, so today is Wednesday. The team's first practice together with all veterans is tomorrow, but that's going to be essentially a walkthrough. They're not going to have pads. They might have pads on, actually, but I don't think they will. That's going to be a pretty short practice. Yep. So, you know, that. and again, well, Jordan Matthews should talk tomorrow. He'll probably talk in the locker room. He's the kind of guy that he's not going to say much. He'll probably say, you know, his knees bother him, but he should be fine for week one. He'll say he's not worried about his contract, all those things. But we know deep down he probably is feeling some pain. And we also know that how could you not be thinking about your contract? You know, he's 25. He just got engaged. And he has his big payday coming. I mean, Jordan Matthews, as you know, we both would agree, a hard worker. This is something he, he loves football. But at the end of the day, he's still a guy that, that has to worry about making money and all those things. How can he not think about that? So we'll definitely get some interesting answers on that tomorrow. Before we get out of here, I thought we would take a few more Twitter questions. And this one kind of ties into Alan Barber. So we have at Shane Sockwriter. Sorry if I mispronounced that. He tweeted at me about the Alan Barber thing. Just one, basically one word. Hashtag Revis Island. What do you? <laughs> All right. So I've had a, a few of my friends and stuff text me about this, just asking what I think the chances are. I'll let you go first because I'd imagine for once we're probably on the same page about yeah, this. Yeah. If, if you're pining for the Eagles to sign Darrell Revis, you haven't watched Darrell Revis play lately. He, he really mm-hmm. doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank. And unless you're bringing someone like Darrell Revis in here to be an assistant defensive backs coach alongside Corey Underlin, I really don't see the value in bringing Darrell Revis in here. And I don't think that he's all that great a teammate, all that great a leader. If you're looking for cornerbacks, and everybody has said the Eagles are looking for cornerbacks. Doug Peterson has said they're keeping their options open. Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, has said that that's a position they're going to need to continue to evaluate and keep their options open and see how it goes. There are a lot better options out there than Darrell Rivas. So simple answer, Elliot. No thank you. I'll pass on Rivas Island. So my take on it would be I agree with you. And, I mean, our guys, our Jets beat writers, Frangie.com, would probably agree. He was not good last year. That being said, the Eagles cornerbacks, a lot of them weren't good last year either. And I think we can agree that, I mean, well, clearly Revis has accomplished more. My, the only thing I would say, I don't think ultimately I would bring in Revis, and I'll say why in a second. But the, if they did it, I guess I couldn't completely blame them because they, I think this team is going to win seven, eight, nine games. I think they're going to be in that conversation for a play for the NFC East title. And if they are, I think they're in week 12 or 11, all these fans now that are saying, let's play the young guys, let's figure this out. The cornerback position could be the reason the Eagles don't actually win the division. So Revis was not good last year, but I think maybe at least there's that chance he's good. But ultimately why I wouldn't do it is not so much based off his play last year, but I think he he's going to be a distraction. Not yep. him personally, but he's a big name. He's going to be the guy everyone wants to talk to every week. I think it's 
it's not worth if, – if he was even decent last year, maybe you put up with the distraction. But because of the distraction I think he would bring, I don't think it's worth bringing him in here. So let's get, let's get another one. And this guy, man, he tweets at us all the time. He, I can say he probably is the biggest fan of this podcast. Awesome Sauce 86 He's got a bit of a random question, but we'll, but we'll do it. He's, he's going to be in Philly for the Eagles-Broncos game. So he wants to know if we think the Eagles will beat the Broncos. And we'll go a little further than that. Just right now, you know, won't hold you to it. We'll do it again before training camp. What do you, what do you, how many games do you think this team wins? You know, I think their ceiling is nine. I think they're more likely than not to go eight and eight. I, I think that the schedule has some really interesting pitfalls to it, particularly that Seattle-Los Angeles back-to-back that you, me, and all the other writers are excited for. I think the NFC East is going to be a lot stronger than maybe you think, and I think that it could take 11 wins to win mm-hmm. the NFC East. And I, I don't think that this team right now is capable of doing that, not to mention tough road games in Kansas City, an interesting test against the Arizona Cardinals. I think they have a chance of beating the Denver Broncos, particularly given the fact that it, it comes in before Philly the bye. Too. It's in Philly, and the Broncos seem poised to take a step back. But I think 8-8 eight and eight is right about where this team finishes, and I think that's just good enough to just miss out on the playoffs. So I, I think the Broncos, when I first saw the schedule, the Broncos to me was the game that when I saw the schedule last year, every year there's like one game where they win – that you never thought they would, but this game sticks out to me immediately as I'm very, I'm pretty sure they win this game. They get it at home. The Broncos are a team that obviously their defense is very good, but they're going to struggle to score on offense in my opinion. So the Eagles match up well. The Eagles defensive line should be able to feast on quarterbacks that are not elite. And the Broncos are going to go with Trevor Sinian, a guy who I don't think is very good, or with Paxton Lynch, a guy I was high on before the draft last year. Hasn't really played, so I can't say anything much about him. But at very least, he'll be a guy making his 12th or 11th you know, start since he played a few games last year. Yep. So I think that's a game the, the Eagles will win. As far as win, win totals for the year, the answer I give to people is my guess right now is 9-7, and seven, even though I think the roster is a 7-win team. I just think the schedule works out well for them. You know, getting the Cowboys off of the bye, getting the Raiders at home, things like that. I, I think I think this team very well could start 0-2 with their first two games, but I think that ultimately they're going to end up winning eight or nine games just because I think Wentz will be better than he was last year. They won seven games last year, and I think they're a slightly better team. So that would be my uh, win prediction for right now. So, all right, this was not the podcast we expected. Lots of different things to talk about, but – that's what makes his teams interesting, man. There's always something, always something going on with them. So the team practices on Thursday for the first time. The first real practice is Friday. I think we're going to try to get you another one on Friday with some reaction from the first two days. So that, that'll be good. Um, and we can look ahead to Saturday. First open practice at the link, and yep. the pads get strapped on for the first time. Exactly. I'll be interested to see how much hitting they do. So, But, yeah, Saturday at the link, that one's open to the fans. So that should be Another exciting day in Eagles world. So once again, like I said at the top, if you're listening in a browser, go ahead and subscribe. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spreaker. Go leave us those reviews, five stars. That's what we like to see. So go ahead and do that. Matt, talk to you on Friday. Always a great time, Elliot.